Up next, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057, email me inbox at Radio, and that's the best part for me of the show is getting your feedback, so keep it coming. It's election time, and what I've been enjoying is having on what I call the citizen parties, not the political robots standing for high office that we get too much of, but the parties of real people standing for parliament. And we're discovering why they're standing, what motivates them, what their principles and values are, and why they're doing it. And I have to say, it's been admirable. It's been wonderful. And today, we've got Guy Slocum from the New Nation Party. Guy, good morning. Good morning to you, Rodney. Well, it's wonderful to have you on. And let me just start off. I want to learn about you. I want to learn about the New Nation Party, and I want to learn about your values, your principles, and your policies. So first up, tell us about the New Nation Party. How, When was it formed, and what was its purpose? Well, three years ago, we were very concerned that a national were not behaving like Her Majesty's opposition, as it was at the time. Uh, And the fact that they were not earning the taxpayers' money that they had been paid to act as an opposition to the government. So we went to talk to them. I say we, it wasn't actually me. It was a couple of my colleagues. And uh, they uh, basically rejected our overtures, uh, said that they were doing fine, and didn't need our help. So we came out of there and had a discussion and decided that what was missing from the political scene in New Zealand was good old-fashioned leadership. Uh, And so we decided to form the party. Uh, We often talk about the NMP like National used to be, except it's National with compassion, because I don't believe that uh, the old divisions of left and right are valid anymore. I think it's now a question of choosing between centralized control and freedom and choice. And that freedom and choice is at the core of what drives the NMP. Nice. So would you describe yourself as a party that's gone back to the roots of the political philosophy that national once had and pretend still to have, but never acts upon. Yes, we often look at Sid Holland's uh, key points in 1936, and uh, much of what he said drives us forward, but also with compassion, because uh, there's no doubt that some of the right-wing elements of the original National Party didn't have the compassion for the needy people Mm. that is needed And we believe that we can bring, well, we do bring together the um, compassion that was traditionally part of the left side of politics and the business-orientated wealth creation side that has always been part of the right. Bring them together and we will have a thriving society that is growing and moving forward. Indeed. Have you guys got some political heroes from around the world and through history that you look to and think, wow, you know, that was really someone? Well, I think you put, you draw, don't you, on 
the benefits and the uh, qualities, the good qualities of different people, and you seek to bring them together. Mm. I mean, Churchill's resilience was unbelievable. Uh, Thatcher's, um, Thatcher's passion and her belief that she knew where she was going, she knew where she was taking the country, and nobody was going to deter her from that. I have trouble with Chris Luxon's approach at the moment because he doesn't seem to have that unswerving direction mm. that he wants to take the country. He answers questions depending on who's asked it rather than from the heart and from uh, a driven passion. So I would put Churchill and Thatcher together. Ronald Reagan? Very much so. The thing I loved about him was his uh, ability to communicate seriously, but with humour. I um, I would have picked the same three. That's why I had to add in Ronald Reagan. I mean, Churchill was a colossus, and uh, that moment um, was his. I mean, his whole life led him to that point. And truly, he saved the West um, at a critical time. When Margaret, 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 Maggie Thatcher got elected. I was living in London and I was an unthinking socialist in Pinko. And I was all doom and gloom because everyone that I was working with in London were all doom and gloom. And when Ronald Reagan got elected, I was traveling, sort of backpacking on my own across the Middle East. And I was meeting with all these Americans and they were telling me how dreadful he was because they were Californians who had had him as governor, and it was all, you know, terrible. And I came to love them and admire them. And it's like what you say, they stood for something. And the other thing, when I look at them, which to me is very important, they were decent people. You know, they had a decency about them. Ronald Reagan and, and, and Maggie Thatcher, they weren't your run-of-the-mill politicians. Of course, they had to do politics, but they weren't your run-of-your-mill your politicians who, as you say, would just say whoever was asking them the question. You know, they, they were firm, but they had a decency. You could look up to them proudly, and um, they, they were wonderful. And, of course, they came to office at a time when we were in economic crisis and the Cold War was at its height and they reversed the fortunes of the West. Yes, I do agree. And it's interesting that uh, I was able to observe the closeness of Thatcher and Reagan during the Falklands conflict mm. when uh, he was utterly determined to support her and the British in their endeavours to free the islands. And in contrast to Haig, uh, who was his Secretary of State, who was very much in the opposite direction. But you could see the bonding of uh, Thatcher and Reagan, not just against a common cause, but against common sense of values. Mm. And, you know, you talk of values in the context of being a politician or not, I'm fond of saying that we need to be finished with politicians in this country. 
Uh, politicians have grown to a point where they feel that their role is to dictate. I believe we need leaders, good leaders, leaders with decades of uh, compassionate leadership under their belt who understand that their job from the beehive is to serve the people who sent them there, not to dictate to them. Well, I um, agree with everything you said thus far, Guy, um, in totality. And funnily enough, these days, it's uh, brave simply to say these things, if you know what I mean, right? I do, this is yeah. Why, this is why Chris Luxon is squirming on a stick uh, every time he gets asked a question. Um, the poor guy, I actually feel desperately sorry for him. He's going to be prime minister. He may be a great prime minister. I don't know. But I watch him, and he feel you feel him squirming on a stick because he seems unable just to say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, here are my values. Yes, I stand for the National Party. Here's what we believe in. And yes, we can't do it all at once, but this is the direction of travel. I mean, he just, he just, he lives for the moment. You know, he's got that John Key sort of ability just to live for the moment to get through the next polling cycle, it seems to me. Well, I don't think I don't think he has John Key's quality. Uh, I mean, John was, despite anything people might say about him, he he did know what he stood for, and he did have the fluency to express it. Mm. Uh, and I share your concern for Luxon. I mean, he's he's quite a nice guy when you sit down and have a beer with him, uh, but he is so totally unfit for the job mm. that he has, mm. and that must create internal strife. Which were you a only... member of the National Party? Absolutely. Was I or am I? What were you? I certainly was. I mean, I've been a member of the National... I've lived in 18 countries, Rodney, and uh, uh, I've been a member of the National Party or National Party equivalent in every single country I belong to. That is my creed, and that is why I was so sad to see them go downhill some years ago. So it must and, have been a big rupture in your life to leave them. Uh, not quite as much as you might imagine, because although I was cutting the string with a team of with whom I'd had a wonderful time, I did not see them as the national party that I had joined. Mm. You know, I often say to national dyed-in-the-wall national voters, that they are not the party that earned our loyalty. They have changed. Can you run us through the evolution of your thinking from being having a disquiet about where the National Party was to, you know, like particular things? Were there particular things, or was it an overall slide and loss of values and principles that led you to the position? that you joined or that you set up a splinter group away from National? It was more, uh, I think the spark, without any shadow of a doubt, was that they were taking salary from uh, the hard-earned taxpayers' money and they were not doing what they were paid to do, which was to be uh, an opposition to the government to hold the government to account and to act 
in that capacity on behalf of the people. Um, Simon Bridges was probably the last one, well, he was the last one, to uh, oppose the government with vigour and commitment. And uh, although I believe, and I've said this to him, uh, he was a little bit too aggressive, uh, the fact is he kept them polling in the 40s uh, and he was doing the job that he was paid to do. Uh, since then, uh, once he lost the leadership, that's what sparked my dissatisfaction initially. Mm. Uh, the fact that they were failing to do the job they were paid for, they were taking their money under false pretenses. And then, of course, I started to look at how they were behaving and what they were doing. And that's when the slide started. But without any shadow of a doubt, the spark was their failure to do the job for which they were paid. And that is like signing up the things that the government was doing to sort of me to them and sort of take away any any flashpoint that the media might hit them over the head with a stick. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, we can come to the demonstration in Wellington, whatever mm. one thinks of the demonstration in Wellington, the fact that not a single MP went down to talk or at least to listen to what the people had to say was, for me, the day that democracy died in New Zealand. Same. Because even if they were scared of the disease, they could have put on a hazmat suit, you know what I mean, and come down. Of, of course they could. And, you know, even if I'd gone down there as a, as a leader of the country or even an MP, I would have started the conversation by saying, look, I am not here to offer you any commitment, but mm. I am here to listen. Mm. How easy would that have been? terribly easy and more importantly part of what they were paid to do yeah i've got i i i i hear you loud and clear just um talking about disappointments um i imagine i'm leading you into a red flag that'll spark you up like it sparks me up but i don't follow politics as much as i should because it just uh, ruins my day but i became aware through this radio show that you can now change your birth certificate significance of that i don't know but you can change it and say that i was born a girl on the 16th of december 1956 and anyone looking at my birth certificate then would not know that i ha i hadn't actually been i can change history <laughs> i can change my history and I thought that was, whatever your view on the trans thing, even if you're a full-on, you can change your sex, the idea that you can go back and change it when you were born is absurd. I mean, I don't think you can change your sex, personally. No, it's not even personal, it's, it's objectively. But if I did think you could change your sex, I wouldn't go along with changing it back to before you even thought about it, to the day you were born. I mean, it's just... You can't rewrite history in this fashion. Well, and I it's, uh, sorry, I just, just, just to yeah. add it to what you're saying, if I may, uh, I mean, it's statistically unsound. Yes. Uh, because you were not a girl on the day you were born. <laughs> it's, uh, abundantly obvious. So I couldn't believe that that had happened. And then I got told that it passed with every MP in the House voting for it. And I declared that that was impossible. 
that never in the history of mankind would um, the opposition agree with the government on something slightly contentious, but no way would conservative centre-right parties agree to this nonsense. I went back, I read the debates and read the votes. I could not believe that National and ACT, to a person, voted for this uh, rewriting of your birth certificate years and years after the event. Could you believe that yourself? I find it very difficult, but then I have to turn to the wider behaviour of the opposition, which I've touched on already, but without Mm. uh, retracing my steps. The reality is that they have forgotten long ago two things. One, that their job is to represent the people who sent them there and the issues from the electorates from which they were elected. And the second thing they've forgotten is that they are there, paid for by the people to represent the people in taking the government to account. So I, I you know, I, I, I stand by my statement that the day that none of them would go to uh, talk to the uh, demonstrators was the day democracy died in New Zealand. And you could say that the incident that you have just outlined further entrenched that feeling. Mm. You're on Rally Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We're talking to Guy Slocum. Uh, we're having a wonderful discussion because he's a good centre-right uh, conservative, like myself, I think I'm correct. But that conservativeness with that decency that we saw so inspirationally and admirably displayed with Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. And he's the deputy leader of the New Nation Party, which is, I'm thinking, is the party that National should be. Um, And Guy here clearly has a history of grassroots working in uh, conservative parties or national-type parties in uh, every country he's been in, which is a, a significant number. It's 18. So we're not talking about someone new to politics, as it were. He knows politics uh, from the ground up. Now, Guy, you're, you're the deputy leader, and Michael, now I'm just, uh, the Jacob, how do you say Michael's last name? Michael Jacob. Jacob. Michael Jacob is the leader. And... Um, now, let's get on. I think we can grab your principles and values because it's well known to us because it's what the National Party should be. So, can I just, I'm sorry to cut across you for a second. You cut away. But it is important to uh, let your listeners know that while we have that core pedigree that you just mentioned, it has a heavy dose. <clears throat> Excuse me. It has a heavy dose of compassion laying over the top because we do recognize the need to look after the needy. We do recognize that there are people who are disadvantaged, who need our support. The big difference from the traditional left view of that particular issue is that we believe in raising the funds to look after the needy through stimulating business 
to get more taxes, whereas mm. the left have a rather nasty tendency to run up our debt bill. Mm. No, fair, fair and good point. Um, what are three key policies that you're campaigning on this election for us? Well, I need to give a quite a quick preamble before I answer that, and and that is that we are not a party of highfalutin, strategic, wonderful plans that will come to fruition in 40 years' time. Uh, we like to have policies that can be enacted quickly and, more importantly, can create a difference for our electorate and for our population fairly quickly in the term of a new government. And that, therefore, leads me to think about uh, crime, uh, but I don't limit myself, and the party doesn't limit itself to the pure crime aspect. We want to look at the entire law and order issue. So we will um, make sure that we pass legislation to make bail custodial for certain crimes. Uh, so uh, these young lads who are going and banging into dairies they will know that instead of uh, going before the court, being sent home to mum, have the opportunity to do it again, they will go to prison straight away as mm. a custodial bail uh, legislation. Uh, we believe that if I stay with that law and order policy for a moment, we need to do something about the court backlog. So we will introduce night courts. Uh, we will have a complete overhaul of the legal aid system to ensure that people are properly defended if they can't afford it, as opposed to being cajoled, and I'm not saying this always occurs, but it certainly does happen, being cajoled into pleading guilty just to get through the court uh, and to uh, get uh, it on uh, uh, into uh, the legislative process. Another area that uh, fits the preamble I gave you is that for many, many years and across many governments of different colours, uh, our senior citizens have been ignored. Uh, they have been given minimal increases. If you wander around the supermarket with a senior citizen today, they've got a little notepad and they're desperately trying to figure out what they can afford to buy. We will make the first, for those earning less than 100K, uh, we will make the first 25K entirely free of tax. And with our senior citizens, we will introduce free medical, free dental, and a number of other benefits that can quickly make a difference to that particular part of our community. Uh, and at the other end of the demographic scale, we have to overhaul our education system. We need to move back from indoctrination to education, and that education needs to provide for the basic uh, academic knowledge, but also life skills, what it is to be a good citizen, how to resolve conflict without thumping the other person, and a whole load of other uh, life skills that will ensure that when the child becomes an adult, 
they contribute to community in a positive way and not in the way that some of our young adults are doing at the moment. Excellent. Um, I can sign up for that, Guy. Um, tell me, you formed your party three years ago. Uh, how tough has it been? I think that the process was rather rather difficult, but I have to say that the officials at the Electoral Commission were magnificent. Mm. They're not allowed to guide you, of course, but they gave us information that allowed us to act in a coherent fashion and speed the process. We did fall foul of an unfortunate situation, which was certainly not of our making and certainly not of the EC's making. Um, and that was that when we started the process, we were allowed to sign up people, members electronically. And during the process of doing that, um, a suspected fraud was uncovered in the last election, which obliged the Electoral Commission to require us to go back to all our members and get a signature uh, hard copy uh, member form. And that, as you can imagine, was a rather torturous process. I bet. Because when we sent it out to all the members, they thought it was a fraudulent move to get another look at their signature. Um, <laughs> however, we managed to overcome that, but it did elongate the process somewhat. Um, so the formation uh, was, you know, a, a process that needed to be dealt with. What I do find most challenging about creating a new party is the utter unwillingness and sometimes positive negativity, if I can put it that way, of mainstream media and some people in the community to completely ignore uh, the fact that we exist. Mm. Um, I was talking to uh, some very nice people uh, the other day who had put a debate together and they'd invited uh, everybody uh, but a couple of the minor parties of which we were one. And I suggested to them that that was not democratic. Uh, and they said, well, it's nonetheless policy. Uh, and, and that is a nonsense. You know, um, National is so close to Labour now that there is no daylight between the two parties. None. Uh, and, and we stand as a viable, realistic, and ready-to-serve alternative for people's choice. And we need to get that message out there. And it's only through media such as you engaged in, Rodney, that we're able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I've made several inroads to mainstream media to say, look, just interview me, you know? I don't even want to know what the questions will be because you can be sure that the answers will be genuine and from the heart. So just get me involved. But they don't want to do it. And uh, I think that is probably an indictment on New Zealand democracy. I agree again. 
we haven't got anything we disagree about yet, Guy. It's a bit of a shame I should be more aggressive or something. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but I found myself agreeing with the Aotearoa Legalized Cannabis Party. I'm very amenable these days. But um, it's shocking to me looking at it because, like you, I looked at the behaviour of National Enact with the government and the way they joined up together um, in a sort of Wellington-centric uh, we-will-rule-you mode, and that the legacy media, that's what I call them, the sort of remnants of what was a great enterprise of journalism, the legacy media that stagger on on government money as long as they don't criticise climate policy or treaty partnership, um, they stagger on and they're a part of it and so we have these like tyrants uh in parliament and the media who are guarding the fortress and when it comes to election time they're literally saying to new zealanders here are your choices right and here's you the new nation party going to all the trouble and all the expense because like a great many New Zealanders, you're concerned about the direction of our great country and you're concerned about what's happening inside that Wellington tyrannical class. But that tyrannical class, the political parties and the media, totally exclude you. And then they run this devastating line that says, oh, if you give your vote to a third party, you will waste it. And, and that, that here, resonates. And, and that if I'm sorry, Rodney, but you're making such a good point, I feel compelled to comment. Um, because the reality is that uh, they talk about a wasted vote. And I have to say, historically, that was probably at least had an element of truth to it. Because in the past, as you know, the two main voting blocks were fairly close together. And it was really the floating voter in the middle that made the difference as to who was going to govern. And therefore, you know, a, a vote for the to be taken away from the floating voter and placed in the XYZ minor party was perhaps less than it might be. But today, that's not the case. Today, we have, uh, as we both said, uh, Labour and uh, National in coalition to all intents and purposes, yes. sitting on one side of the voting choice and the other side is the minor parties, so-called. And therefore, there is a very real case now for putting your vote into one of those small parties who have the values and policies that you aspire to. So I think the circumstances changed. And I would even reverse the point and say that um, to place a vote in either national or labor is the wasted vote mm. because all you're going to get is more of the same. And Einstein said that the definition of madness was doing the same thing time after time and expecting a different result. Indeed. So we need to say to our population, look, we have done this for you. We have created the vehicle of change. 
Now you have to plug into that vehicle, give us your support, and allow us to move forward in serving you, the people. Wonderful. Um, and of course, no vote's been cast yet. So nothing has been, this is the strange thing about elections. Nothing's been decided yet. And yet again, the legacy media write it all up as though their stupid polls have decided the election night result. Absolutely. It is extraordinary to me that they do that. And that we go, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to win and it's going to be this and it's going to be that. Oh, the New Nation Party aren't anywhere, so I won't vote for them because they're not even registering. This is nonsense stuff. Uh, again, you're having this um, little tiny group in Wellington dictate um, the election result before anyone's had a vote. Um, gosh, they annoy me so much. Now, tell me, because no votes have been classed, anything could happen. If you close your eyes and you imagine just the best possible result on election night, what would it be for the New Nation Party? Well, I think I need to explain how I reach my answer because it's not a question of closing my eyes and having a dream. Uh, we have uh, decided that there are three areas of society uh, that desperately need the support they haven't had, the farmers, the uh, education system, the, um, uh, I said three, but it's actually four, uh, the um, uh, students and the senior citizens. Mm -hmm. And what we have done is partly to redress the appalling situation that those people find themselves in. And partly, I have to say, is a tactical move. We have concentrated policies in those four areas. Now, they are populated, those four areas, by about 1.5 million people. So we don't need to convince a very high proportion of that 1.5 million to get the 150,000 we need for our 5%. So my answer to your question is the vehicle is there that realistically to get between 5 and 15%, but it so much depends on whether the great Kiwi population are prepared to open their minds, do their research, and realize that this election is the most critical in our history in the context of taking our country back at least to the good points that it used to have and the wonderful life that it used to provide. If they're prepared to do that, then we stand a very good chance of being a major influence in the next government. If they choose not to do that, I will be disappointed. But at the same time, I will say that they exercise the core principle of the New Nation Party, which is freedom and choice. Yes, indeed. And I read your farming policy, and I'd have to say any farmer or person working in the farming sector would read that and sing hallelujah and rush off to cast their vote because it was it's liberating farmers to be farmers on their land 
without having it confiscated and without having the bit they're left with being told what to do. It was really a hallelujah moment when I read it. And like you say, um, it was well targeted. And of course, if you're a farmer, you want rid of this government, but you also want good policies. And so um, any vote cast for New Nation Party or indeed any third party will have National and Act looking at what happened. Even if they don't get the 5%, you're sending a message to them. This is what we want. This we, We're not wanting the same old, same old, same old sit around, drink lattes with your mates in the news media. We're actually wanting substantial change to our lives. So, so good for you. Would you find given where New Zealand finds itself, like I feel there's a malaise across the country. And it's not just an economic malaise uh, like we confronted with uh, when Margaret Thatcher took office or Ronald Reagan. They also faced, I guess, a loss of confidence in their countries and who they were and what they could achieve, and they were able to reverse that. But I find that we're even in a deeper funk. And I think, sorry, can I just uh, amplify what you're saying? Because we really are on the same track. And I would say the same thing about to our young ones. You know, I was talking to a bunch of them just recently, and they said, well, we're not going to vote. You know, you have ruined this country. Uh, And I said, well, I have to tell you that I agree with you. The politicians of my generation have ruined this country. And that is precisely why the New Nation Party was formed, to move us back to where we want to be. So this is not a party and not an election that you young ones can afford to say, we're not going to vote because of what you've done. It's a question you've got to vote because of what we're going to do Mm. and how it's going to affect your future and the adult life you will lead. Uh, And I would say exactly the same thing that you may, or I would make the same point that you made in the context of the farmers to our senior citizens. We have given them with our policies the means to live out their final years with dignity and joy. And I cannot imagine why they would not wish to put their vote with the New Nation Party. Mm, indeed. And, but did, would the task of being in Parliament and contributing to government, would you find it daunting in the sense that you almost don't know where to start because everything has been so run down? No, I wouldn't find it daunting. I would find it challenging, as it inevitably would be. But I think that the uh, influence I would wish to bring to bear on whatever governing party is uh, in power is let's get some short-term legislation uh, on the statute book that we can put in place fairly quickly and will make the biggest difference to the people we seek to serve, uh, like some of the things I've already yes. mentioned. Yes, in your uh, policies, it's very clear. Yes, and then uh, we can start looking strategically. I mean, clearly the next government is being handed a poison chalice in the context of debt. 
you know, the debt, I was looking at the New Zealand debt clock just before I came on, uh, and it currently stands at $80,000 per family. That is unsustainable. It's mm. disgraceful. But it does require the exact opposite of what I was saying a moment ago. It requires a long-term strategic approach. We believe that all we can do in our first term is slow the debt clock down. We see it coming to a stop halfway through the second term uh, and then wobbling around a wee bit, and we will need the third term to send the debt clock in reverse and start to recover ourselves to where we ought to be. So, you know, in terms of your question, daunting no, challenging yes, but clear choices to be made that uh, impact the people we serve quickly and effectively and then move on to more strategic matters. Wonderful. You're listening to Radley Check Radio. It's been real talk with Rodney Hyde. We're talking to Guy Slocum. He is the deputy leader of the New Nation Party. Oh, my goodness. I wish I had a vote for every one of the third parties. I wouldn't, if I had that many votes, I wouldn't give one to the old lamestream parties. I like the lamestream media. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a vote to them ever but oh i'd like to give them all to the third parties because i find myself agreeing with them and i'm loving them because it's what we should have we're a small country we should have citizens in our parliament we should have those amongst us who we know and are prepared to offer up as leaders to go forward to parliament and instead we've got this ruling class who I think look at us with contempt, to be honest, and they regard us as just, you know, oh, we'll just grab their vote, and you've got to vote this way because, and it's like it's our turn now. Labor have had a go. Now it's Nationals' term. It's not about us, and it's not about our country. It's about them. And, and it's so an abdication. It's an abdication. It's an abdication of their duty. Yes, Guy, I, I, I thoroughly agree with you. I wish I had a vote for you because I'm torn between so many great uh, third parties. So thank you for your time. I wish you uh, a good campaign. I wish you strength, and I will pray for you. I will pray for the New Nation Party. I'm praying for all the small parties to do well this election and to send a message to Wellington that the people aren't happy and that we're dissatisfied. And we're not happy with just a continuation of what we've got. So thank you for all your work. Thank you for coming on our show. And thank you particularly for being so clear about your party, yourself, and your policies. Thanks, Rodney. Uh, there you have it. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde, uh, RadleyCheck.radio. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Email me, inbox at RadleyCheck.radio. You know, you may not have heard of the New Nation Party. But I bet you're pleased you have heard of them now and you have the opportunity in a few weeks to vote for them. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to Real Talk with Rodney Hyde on RCR Reality Check Radio.